Welcome to Church Alive. We're located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey, and we're ready to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome home. Tell them you're looking good. I want to I want to do the service a little bit different. I want to uh, sing a song to you, and uh, but you're going to sing with me. Don't worry. Uh, it's a top charter. It's a char- It's I don't even know how to say that. It's it's one of those songs that uh, it'll stay with you. Let's put it that way. Ready? Share, share, share. Everyone loves to share. One more time. Share, share, share. Everyone loves to share. Share, share, share. Everyone loves to share. Left side. Right side. Left side. Everyone loves to share. Come on, give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Don't tell me you can't sing. You were incredible on that. You know, it is the song, actually, that occasionally my son likes to um, ask me to sing to my daughter. It is. He occasionally says, Daddy, she needs to share song. And uh, we then, in tandem, me and my son, begin to sing my daughter the share song. And we go, share, share, share. Everyone loves to share. Why? Because... Little kids, haven't you found it? They don't come out of the womb generous. Uh, it's about me, it's about mine, it's about mine, it's about um, me and mine, right? And they come out and any good dad um, will go up to their children and will teach them lessons sometimes. Sometimes we'll give them time out. Sometimes we'll give them papa and the bunda. Sometimes... We'll bless them. Sometimes we'll do all kinds of stuff. And here's what I want you to do today. I want you to imagine for a moment you're seven again. Okay? Some of you, it's been a while. Actually, all of us, it's been a while. Hasn't it? Um, But I want you to imagine you're seven years old for a moment and you are in the playroom of life. Your father has a house. He is a ridiculously loving, good God. And uh, he is watching over you and he's, he's, he's looking at you and he's thinking about you and, and he's trying to shift you. He's trying to shape you into the person, the boy, the girl, the man, the woman that he wants you to be. And he's going to have to teach you some lessons, isn't he? You see, when you read the Bible, and obviously this is my iPad, but there's a Bible on here, uversion.com, if you don't know. Um, every time you read the Bible, if you see God as this austere kind of uh, guy with a Santa Claus type of beard, uh, got a stick, he wants to beat you a lot. He, every time you disobey him, he's 
bang, he wants to hit you again. You will read the Bible from that angle. You'll read it from that perspective. You'll, you'll see the commands of God and always think they're harsh many times. You'll think they're uh, too tough. But if you see God as a loving, generous, kind, merciful, good father, you'll always know anytime he's instructing you in something, he's trying to either get something to you or shape something in you. Can I get an amen? Now we're ending our series, The Blessed Life, and we've been talking about becoming an instrument in the hand of God. And uh, I believe that God actually wants to sharpen you, wants to shape you, wants to make you to be the person He wants you to be. But as Moses found, most of the time you have to lay something down. And when you lay that thing down, God after time will actually get you to pick it back up again. And the thing that you laid down, once you lay it down, once I lay my life down, my heart down, my time, my talent, my treasure, everything that I am, you'll actually find that He will then put His blessing on it. He'll put his kiss upon it. He'll put his life and his anointing upon it. And the very thing that was simply an axe that could chop down trees now can change forests. Amen. Haven't you noticed that God, when He takes your gift and your talent and whatever it might be that you have combined with a whole bunch of other people, He will take that and use it as an instrument in His hand. Can we pray a, a quick prayer together? And I just want us to pray this quick prayer. Father, make me to be an instrument in your hand for blessing wherever I go, whatever I do. Help me be the person you've made me to be in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Matthew chapter 6 says this, No one can serve Two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted. Someone say devoted. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Notice this now. You cannot. Turn to your neighbor and say, you cannot. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, you definitely cannot. You definitely cannot serve both God and money. You've got to understand you can have both, but you can't serve both. You can have both because sometimes in church world, there's kind of a, a poverty mentality. There's sometimes either this super prosperity, everyone's meant to be rich and famous and so forth, or there's this other side, everyone's meant to be broke, busted, and disgusted. I want to tell you that none of those are right. You can have actually many blessings, but understand this, the Father wants to bless you. But just like me, when I tell my son to go give a, a, um, a gift to his, his um, sister, I, I don't just watch him give it, I watch his body language. I say to him, son, can you go share now the iPad? Sometimes they'll be like, daddy, can I use the iPad? I want to play with the iPad. And then the, my daughter will come up to me, daddy, I want to use the iPad. I want to use the iPad. I use, why don't I have an iPad? Because you're four. That's why. Don't have an iPad because you're four. How about you go get a job? She's like, I'm trying, Daddy. It's not working. All right? And, uh, and so they will often fight over something I've given them. It's a gift I've given them, but to teach them to share. I say, listen, I need you to go over there. I want you to give it to your sister. But when they do it and they come over there and go, here goes Shelly, and they do it with like a nice attitude and a nice spirit, how do we know that I now want to bless them? Right? But if they give it and they're just like, right, you have it. 
and they stare at it and they're looking at it and they're just and and they do all this kind of stuff and then what i found is my kids they've given the ipad away or something and then they just stare at it so let me let me just share with this with you do you know you can give in the house of god the right amount with the wrong heart You can give the right amount, but with the wrong heart. You can give it with a grudging heart, a greedy heart, a self-centered heart. And so my prayer for our church, honestly, is this. I believe few things would shape the health and the life of our church is if all of us began to pray a very simple prayer, God, when I give, help me give with a right heart. Because I believe if you give with the right heart, God can see it. He sees what's going on in your mind. He's like, ah, now I can bless him. Are you with me? Let's get into it. Deuteronomy chapter 15. And I just want to say this thought to you real quick. Um, If if you're in church, I knew they'd talk about money. Um, I just want to say this. I actually shifted the offering message. We often do the offering at the end of service. I shifted it to the middle of the service today because I want to just be able to preach about it very freely without the thought that you had to give afterwards. Because what I wanted you to do was to sit on it, let it hit you, let it deal with you the way it needs to deal with you, and and there not even be a thought that somehow someone's twisting my arm and manipulating me in any possible way. And I just wanted to let you, and, and, and I trust God to deal with you the way He needs to deal with you. Does that make sense? Deuteronomy chapter 15, let's get into it. Verse 1 says this, At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. Just go and show that to your, to your bank, would you? <laughs> By the way, mortgage guy, here it is. Here's the Bible. And then he would say, well, America doesn't really believe the Bible anymore, so I'm sorry. Um, anyway, other issue, side issues. Let's move on. The person's like, that's not political. Who cares? This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. Every seven years, there would be no debts. You may require payment from a foreigner, a bit of racism for you too, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poor people. Notice there need be no poor people among you from the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. Someone say that's the Father's heart. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commandments I am giving you today, for the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you'll lend to many nations but borrow from none. You'll rule many nations, but none will rule over you. He's giving them, he's speaking to the children of Israel, he's saying this is how you're going to operate in the promised land. And then he begins to deal with them about their heart in verse 7 and onwards. And he says this, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, now watch this, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed and, someone say freely, 
freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, is near so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Let me just explain that real quick just so you get it. So a rich man would lend to a poor man, but the poor man might come up to him on the sixth year. He says, hey, can I borrow $10,000? And he's like, hold on, hold on. The seventh year is coming and you're not going to be able to pay it back. And so the Lord was commanding the rich man, I want you to lend it to him anyway, even if I'm going to cancel debts on that perspective. Does that make sense? Now, it doesn't make good business sense, but it makes good fatherly advice because a father is speaking to his children, how are you going to treat your siblings? Does that make sense? Someone say, he's a father. You didn't have to say it in an Australian accent, and it's whatever. <laughs> All right, shut up. All right. <laughs> Verse 10. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Someone say a grudging heart. Then because. Someone say then. Because of this. Now, how many of you took English class in, in school? Okay, so we took English class and some of you took Portuguese class and Brazilian. Actually, they're the same. Uh, Spanish class and so forth. Obviously, I didn't take much English class. Someone say, then because. Then the because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. How many know that some of the blessings of God are conditional? Right? He says, listen, this is how I'm going to bless you. And then... I'm going to bless you because you did it in a right way. Just like a father would go up to his children and say, listen, I, want you to, I gave you these and I want you to share with this one if you do it with a willing heart. I had a proud moment yesterday as, as I was taking my daughter out of church and so forth. My son literally looked at my daughter. He was like, uh, um, no, Benny looked at my, uh, Rachel. Am I even getting names right here? How many children do I have? I've got a pregnancy brain going on. Didn't even go through pregnancy. All right. Ben looked at Rachel and said, can I have a mint, Rachel? And Because uh, you already have one. And she's sucking on the little mint. And she's like, here you go, Benny. And I was like, yes. It was a proud moment for Daddy. Now sing this with me. Share, share, share. Everyone loves to share. Come on, one more time. Share, share, share. Everyone loves to share. And don't you think the heart of God is the exact same thing towards you and me? Because when you are generous and you do it with a right heart, then he's like, that's my boy. That's my girl. They're becoming more like me. So if you take notes in church, you can write these down. I have six points. I'm going to try to get through them in 25 minutes and 57 seconds. Your father wants you to have not a hard heart, but a free heart. Notice what the Bible says in, in verse 8. Rather be open-handed and freely. Someone say freely. Freely lend them whatever they need. But watch this now. He says, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. If you think of a harbor for a moment, think of a whole bunch of boats. Someone say, I've got a bunch of boats. And how many want those boats to be working and good? 
But notice that the Bible actually says, do not harbor this wicked thought among you. In other words, there will be wicked boats coming into your mind and my mind. And he says, don't allow that boat to set up shop in your harbor. It is a wicked thought and will actually infect the rest of the boats. Does that make sense? Right? So if you are a, a fisherman and so forth, you've got to understand that harbor protects all the boats. And he says, there will come time in your life when this wicked thought will say, you know, no, 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 I'm going to be hard-hearted. See, when you're hard-hearted, you might have looked at someone and said, man, they have need. I'm going to have compassion on them. But you turn your shoulder and you turn your eye from them. Or maybe you're watching TV and you ever watch TV and they're showing like African children somewhere on the TV and you see it and there's flies in their eyes and they're not eating very much. They're like, just a dollar a day. A dollar a day, you can change their lives. And what we actually do is we feel compassion for a moment. They're like, oh, let's see what's on the NBA. And because you turn your mind from it, you don't care for it. And actually what can happen is you become hard-hearted. Are you with me? Someone say, I need a free heart. A free heart lends generously or gives generously because he's not focused on the gift. He's actually focused on the giver. Because he knows that the father has a big bag. Number two, a grudging heart versus a generous heart. You can have a grudging heart when you give. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 15 verse 10. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. That says to me it's actually my decision. It is my decision or my focus or lack of focus that will actually give me a grudging heart. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 23 says, verse 6. Watch this. Don't eat people with those who are stingy. Someone say stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. Next verse. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. How many want to go and eat food over their house? <laughs> You're weird. All right, okay. If you want to go over their house. All right. And so what they're doing is they're giving, but for some reason they're grudging. And do you know, I've actually found in the things of God, you can be a generous person and give to God and later on start to just fix your eyes on the gift you gave away. And over time you're like, oh man, I gave a lot away. And God says, no, no, no. Don't have a grudging heart. Have a heart that's free and generous. Are you with me? Someone say, it's surgery time in here. Come on, say, it's surgery time in here. How many of you want a heart attack? <laughs> no? You'll pass on that one? How many know that God wants to heal you of a stingy heart before you have a heart attack? Number three, a greedy heart versus a loving heart. A greedy heart versus a loving heart. John chapter 12 says this, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. Someone say fragrance. There will be a fragrance every time you give to God. But Judas, someone say Judas. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? 
Question. Answer. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Thank you. Not that he cared for the poor, for he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. A greedy heart and a generous heart. A greedy heart. And you've got to understand, do you know, that when you give and when I give, you can actually give with a greedy heart. But God says, no, 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 I, want, I need to shift that away from you. And I need to shift you into a loving heart. She gave. Why? She gave because she'd been forgiven so much. She was a prostitute. She worshipped. And she literally gave Jesus a year's wage. And here comes old money bags. Judas says, hold on. I'm the banker here. This is unwise. And we should give that to the poor. Have you ever walked into someone's home, they were more affluent than you? Walked into someone's car, they were more affluent than you? And you thought to yourself, no, they should give this money to the poor. Careful, Judas. It's normally not because you care for the poor, is it? It's because greed sits in your heart and my heart. And God has to do surgery in your heart. And your mind. Are you with me? I may need to take my jacket off. (laughs) Fire on you. Number four, a fearful heart versus a faith-filled heart. A fearful heart versus a faith-filled heart. I want to have a couple of people. Tessa. First time I've called a girl, actually. All the rest has been, okay, I'm going to have Tessa come. Ah, Chris, come on, man. You're going to come over. Come on, big guy. That's you. It's not your wife. <laughs> Looks at, like, called you big guy. Um. <laughs> Here we go. Come on, Mike. Come over here. Okay, just back up a little bit, guys. Back up and give me a little bit of room. Okay. How many like it? Do you guys like M&Ms? Yeah? Yeah, right. Some of you chocolate guys. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Jonathan rich. Okay, he's got about 13 M&Ms. Uh, about 10. I got more bags of M&Ms. Sorry, Michael, I made you poor. Gave you one. Yeah, twice. (laughs) I'll have to repent later. (laughs) Cast out a poverty spirit. (laughs) All right, got five. Okay, let's uh, Lee Nasset stand right here. Okay. Maybe one more. Valani, come here. I'm changing this all the time. One more, we've got a crew. Um, Lee, hold out your hands and just say, I need money. I need money. Okay. Hold out your hands and say, I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the bride of Christ. Say it again. I'm the bride of Christ. Say, I'm the church. I'm the church. Okay. Um, in this little uh, illustration here, I'm the father, okay? You with me? Yeah? So the father comes along 
and uh, he nudges Jonathan, who's blessed significantly. He's got the most M&Ms of all these guys and so forth. And uh, what, what the Spirit of God does and what the Father does is he just, he doesn't uh, shout at you. He doesn't give you seven angel appearances, three dreams and so forth. He just pricks your heart, just pricks your heart. And then he's like, I want you to give one away to this one. And so go ahead, go give uh, Lee one. And uh, Lee's going to eat it. And then she's going to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. (laughs) Lee has been um, praying, actually, that God would meet her need for a month. Just praying about God, I need something, I need something, I need something. And God for a month has been dealing with Jonathan. And he's just like, hey, I want you to give to that person who you walk by in the train station almost every day. And for a month, he's been feeling it. He's just like, no. And you've got to understand that when he obeys the nudge of God, guess what? He now becomes an instrument in the hand of God. Do you know that the body of Christ is to be the instrument in the hand of God? Someone say amen. Okay, Tessa has five M&Ms, but the Spirit of God's going to prompt her to give two to him. However, Tessa's a little bit selfish. Um, She's got some problems, and um, she's she's allowed a hard heart and a greedy heart to kind of shift her and so forth. However, why? Because she's been staring at Chris's pile of money. And she's staring at his, and he's got about 12 or 13 M&Ms, but she isn't thankful for the five, she's staring at the 13, and unfortunately, unthankfulness has now got in her heart, and it's shifting, but the Lord's nudging her, hey, I want you to give two of yours over to Michael, and Michael has been faithful and diligent and so forth, and she's got to understand, because she's staring at someone else who's more wealthy than her, often greed shifts in, and she's been praying that Chris would give him two. But the Lord's like, no, no, no. I want you to give too. Are you with me? So over time, she repents <laughs> of her wickedness. She gives him two. The, she didn't know the Lord was waiting for her to give away the two. And now he says, oh, you've been faithful and little. I'm going to give you two. If I can get them out. (laughs) The Lord never struggles to get it out. Don't worry. But I'm going to give you two and I'm going to bless you with two more. Now what's happened to her faith? Whole nother level. Right? However, often people think of the church like the poor. They think of the house of God like the poor. However, the church, Jesus' body, isn't the poor. In Scripture, leftovers are meant for the poor. Understand this principle. The leftovers are for the poor. The bride of Christ over here is never meant to get leftovers. Because if the bride of Christ is full, actually the bride of Christ can easily take care of the poor. Are you with me? Now, understand how personal this is to God. Here's what he does. He comes along and says, here, I'm going to give you to him who has, more will be given, manages them well, 
finances and so forth, and he comes along and he gives them. He says, um, the father comes along and he says, hey guys, I've blessed you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take, I'm going to go away for a while, um, but I want you to take care of my bride. Stand up, Blunt. And I gave you 20 and 15 and 10 and 5 and so forth. And I want you to give the first and the best to my bride. So take one, guys, and just, I want you to give her one. Go ahead. Take her one. Give her one. Now, keep going. And here's... Here's the body of Christ. Here's the bride of Christ. Understand how if I was a husband and I said to every single person here, and I said, listen, I'm going to go away to Australia, um, not coming back for about 10 weeks. Would you just make sure, would you, would you make sure my wife's okay? Would you make sure that she was taken care of? Would you make sure no one's breaking into the house? Would you make sure that you could mow the lawn? Would you make sure you pick up the dog poo? Would you make sure that my bride is taken care of? If those people do that, do you think I'm going to take care of them? Do you think I'm going to bless them? See, here's the thing. Biblical giving is always first and best to God. But as God blesses you, then, sorry for calling you poorly. <laughs> yeah, she's rebuking me. <laughs> Come out. Um, <laughs> but compassion in our hearts should overflow to this one. Are you with me? The mission of the church, part of it is to take care of the poor. But the mission of the church is actually to be resourced so that they can spread the gospel to the world. How many know that the salvation of man is more important than the giving of a bit of bread? However, both must be in. And here's what um, you've got to understand. Over time, the Father stands next to you. The Father stands next to you. He's like, wow, he's been, I'm shifting some things in him. What can happen sometimes is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on Chris's heart, and he's going um, to give over to Tessa because she's been praying that she would be more blessed. And he gives her two or three and so forth. And what God does sometimes is He almost tests this one's heart and doesn't always bless them immediately, but He waits to see if He's going to be a grudging giver. But if He stares at the three He just gave away, or He keeps, keeps His eyes fixed on the Father who is the provider, He's like, God, thank you for giving me 15. And the person's heart shifts, and over time, he's like, wow, he's not grudging. He's thankful, and now I'll just give him the bag. And he's always got another bag. Can someone say amen? amen. All right, come on, give these guys a hand as they sit down. Can I get um, Yasmin to come? How many received that? How many of that challenged you a little bit? Again, I need to say this. 
You're seven. You're seven years old again. Do you remember seven being a good time? I do. I'm like, seven, what an age. You're in the father's house. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to shape your character. He's trying to make you not a selfish little person who's all about your kingdom. He's trying to make you a larger person that's all about his kingdom. Because one day he doesn't want you just playing with your own toys. He wants you to have sons and daughters and even spiritual sons and daughters. And your heart is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you as well. Someone say amen. Bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Father, I pray for your people. I pray for me. I pray for everyone here. God, your word says that we'll worship one or the other. And I just pray for the hearts of your people that so many of them actually are generous. But I know over time, God, that our hearts can shift and our hearts can get unthankful. Our hearts can get grudging. Our hearts can get a bit greedy, God. Our hearts can start to focus on whoever's doing better than us. Who got that promotion and who got that thing? And God, we're in the, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Yet it's so easy not to think we're wealthy. Father, thank you for every M&M you've given us. Peanut ones and chocolate filled ones. God, I pray for your people that they would be incredible managers of them. That you would be their source, God. Not even their job, though that's part of it. I pray for the gifts and the talents that sit in this room right now. And I pray for the business people of this church, God, that, God, you would begin a serious work in their heart, God, that they, you could bless them incredibly because you know they honor you. Pray for men and women in here, maybe struggling financially. I just pray for them that, God, their gifts, their talents, their diligence, but your blessing would reward them. And, Father, I pray where people need surgery in the heart, where greed has got them, where selfishness got them. Only you can change the hearts of men. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd shine the light of your truth into every single one. You'd break the things that would bind them even in their mind. Why don't you just take a moment right now, church, and just do a simple pray and just pray God when I give change my heart Spirit of God, move amongst us. Take your word and make it bear fruit.
has bound eyes closed just at this moment. You may be here today and someone invited you for the very first time. You may be here today and you ran from God. You Maybe you grew up Catholic, Christian. Maybe you never grew up in church at all. And I just want to tell you that God loves you. He's crazy about you. Actually, so much so, he sent his son to die for you so that you wouldn't be separate from God, so that him and you, you'd actually be adopted into his family. He's already paid the, the agreement price. He redeemed you. It means to purchase you. You have to just stick up your hand and say, God, I need that. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. If you are here today and you've never said yes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, man, I want to tell you the Father He doesn't want to whack you. He wants to hug you. He wants to put his arms around you and love on you in an incredible way. He wants to write your name in the Lamb's book of life. He wants to put your name in heaven. You can't be good enough for it. He was good enough for it. And if you trust the gift that is Jesus, man, his grace will start to transform your life and your mind. You might be here and you've never accepted Christ. You might be here and you've run away from God. I just want to pray with a few people right now that said, yes, Anthony, I need to come back to God. Or yes, Anthony, I've never accepted Christ. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I'm a child of God. And right here and right now, I believe the grace of God can change your life. And, and, and make you never the same again. We're going to pray a simple prayer together. And then I'm going to get you, if you're doing that for the first time or running back to God, I'm going to get you to raise your hand and raise it up real high. So just as a church family, why don't we pray this simple prayer. Father, thank you for loving me even when I didn't love you. Thank you for making me. Thank you. You have a purpose for me. Help me find that purpose. Right now, I put my faith, not in me, not in my good works, but in the person of Jesus. I fix my eyes on you. Change my heart. Change my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Past, present, and future. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with new life. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes just closed for a moment. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer with me, for me, running back to God or accepting Christ for the very first time. Those two in the back, so awesome. Anyone else? Just real quick, raise up your hand, raise it up real high. Say, Pastor Anthony, I ran back to God today. I accepted Christ for the very first time. Man, we honor you guys. Come on, can we put our hands together for those people? Maybe there was more. Can I get the worship team to come on down? Hey, if you raise your hand today, man, it's one step in the right direction, but I want to tell you what your next step is. Listen, um, if you were to train for a marathon, you don't just sign up for the marathon and go show up on the day. What you want to do is you want to get a book, learn how to do it, even marathon for dummies, or at least talk to someone on how they uh, did a marathon. So let me say this, listen, when you accept Christ, the the Christian journey isn't a sprint, it's a marathon to the end, and you need to connect to someone who's doing it or done it along the line, and you need to get uh, um, a, a marathon book for dummies, it's called the Bible. Okay, that's the faith walk. And so I want to encourage you, if you raise your hand today, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but man, you need to connect to someone that connect uh, tent, that yellow tent just outside these doors. And, and they're going to help you. They're going to give you a marathon for dummies called the Bible. Um, and they're going to connect you in your next steps. Receive it.
Hey guys, Pastor Anthony here. Hope so much that this message just impacted your life in an amazing way. If it did, feel free to share it on one of the social media outlets. And if it really impacted you, feel free to also email us at connect at churchalive.tv. Stay connected online and on our website. We'd love to have you in either Clifton or Rutherford. See you soon.